Welcome to Darren Daily On Demand, your most trusted resource to help you become better every day. We're in the midst of a special 11-part series that Darren created to help you design the best year of your life. If you missed any previous episodes, be sure to go back and catch up. To help you execute on all these ideas, be sure to pick up a copy of Darren's Living Your Best Year Ever, a proven system to achieving big goals journal and achievement management system. Just go to livingyourbestyearever.com. Now here's your success mentor, Darren Hardy. Plan. In step seven of Living Your Best Year Ever, we outlined your plan to accomplish your goals. But like all plans, nothing goes according to plan. It is said if you wanna make God chuckle, tell him your plans. Having consulted for hundreds of companies and entrepreneurs, I can tell you no business ever grew according to the plans beautifully crafted in their business plan. Some grew faster, some slower, and some became something completely unexpected and exceedingly greater than could have ever been imagined initially. I remind you once again what Dwight D. Eisenhower said, In preparing for battle, I always found that plans are useless, but that planning is indispensable. The process of planning activates both your creative and analytical brain. That synergy identifies new possibilities and imbues belief that it can actually be accomplished. Intangible ideas, hopes, dreams, and desires are made material, and a charted course makes what was once an abstract vision actually visible. But just like the well-laid plans of war will be thrown out once the battle has begun, so too will your plans be when you get into the doing part of accomplishing your goals. Okay, next in the plan, do, review, and improve process, do. In step eight, we discuss taking action, the actual doing part. This is what I call the great pitfall of where many dreams, goals, and ambitions go to die. As discussed already, anyone can start, but few finish. Many can do once, twice, or even for a few months, but eventually most peter out. Regardless of your experience, skill level, or even the quality of your competition, with enough time, you can win at almost anything every time. In fact, the only thing that can stop you now from accomplishing all the goals that you've set is not utilizing this next principle that I will talk about. And it's the number one reason why incredibly talented and intensely motivated people fail to attain what they want in life. I used to get frustrated when I would start a new venture and I'd see the competition leap out in front and get off to a faster, more successful start. Then I found the single principle that gives me an advantage to beat anybody at almost anything. What is it? Consistency. A lot of people become gung-ho about new goals or achievements, and then they charge out of the gate in an explosion of activity, but their intensity and commitment quickly fizzle. Meanwhile, those who begin the journey with less flash, but a greater commitment to consistency, eventually catch up to their flamboyant peers and leave them in the dust. Do what most people don't. Stay consistent. Lack of consistency is the subtle stealer of dreams and ambitions. The stop and start process kills progress in any pursuit. In fact, inconsistency is one of the biggest reasons people don't achieve their goals and instead end up living a life of frustration and disappointment. As Jim Rohn said, you will suffer one of two pains, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. When you start thinking about slacking off on your action plan, routines, and rhythms, consider the massive cost of inconsistency. It is not the loss of a single action and the tiny results that little action would have created. It is the utter collapse and loss of momentum your progress will suffer. Let me give you an analogy to make this make sense. Imagine one of those old-time hand-pumped water wells, you know, where the water table, let's say, is 25 feet below the ground. 
a pipe runs down to the water table and you have to pump the lever at the ground surface to create suction that brings the water above the ground and out the spout. When most people start a new endeavor, they grab the lever and start pumping. They're excited, committed, and resolute. They pump and pump and pump. And after a few minutes or a few weeks, when they don't see any water or results, they give up pumping the lever altogether. Maybe it was the first few people they showed the product to didn't buy, or after a couple of weeks on their new health plan, they haven't lost one pound. They didn't meet anyone on the first two networking events they attended. People expect instant results, and when they don't see progress, they quit before success has even had a chance to show itself. Wise people will continue to pump. If they persevere and continue to pump and pump and pump the lever, eventually a few drops of water will appear. At this point, a lot of people say, You've got to be kidding. All this pumping and for what? A few drops of water? Forget it. Eight weeks of working out at the gym and they don't look like a Victoria's Secret or a Calvin Klein underwear model? They didn't make $10,000 the first 90 days in their new business? Again, they don't see the results that they were expecting. They think their plan isn't working and they quit. But a wise person persists. If you continue to pump, eventually you'll get a full steady stream of water. Congratulations. Success. But here's the real secret. Once the water is flowing, you no longer need to pump the lever as hard or as quickly. It is easy to keep the pressure steady by just pumping the lever consistently. So then, what happens if you stop consistently putting a little stroke on the lever? The water will fall all the way back down into the ground and you're back to square one. If you come back and pump the lever real easily and steadily, you won't get any water. You have lost the vacuum or the momentum of your compounded effort. The only way to get the water flowing again is to pump the lever really hard, really long, all over again, just to get back to where you were. People start a routine of making, let's say, 10 new prospecting calls a day, strike a little gold, and then they don't dial for a couple of weeks. People get excited about their new date night routine with their spouse, but in a few weeks, it's back to the same old couch on Friday nights. I see people buy a new book, sign up for a new program, or go to a seminar, and then go like crazy for a couple of weeks or months. Then they stop and end up right back where they started. Does that sound familiar? Consistency is one of the most important principles of success. What people don't realize is that by breaking their rhythm, they kill momentum, and that is the real tragedy. The cost to revive momentum is an enormous amount of time, energy, and effort, not to advance, but to just get back to where you started. Applying consistent effort to your goals will forever alter how you could live your life. One moment of inconsistency, a single poor choice or brief lapse of discipline doesn't simply result in the loss of that one action. It breaks your momentum. Big Mo will have now left the building. It is not how you or your competition start. It's how you continue. If you stay consistent, even slowly, the tortoise, ultimately you will beat the most talented of competitors, the hare. Consistency is why the tortoise always beats the hare every time. I can hear you asking, okay, I get my ability to stay consistent long after my initial mood of commitment has left me will be the key to my success. So how do I keep myself consistent? To do that, I want to give you one of the most profound documents you will ever use in your life. It is called the Weekly Rhythm Register. If you've been puzzled about how to make sense of all that you've learned through this entire program, this is how. 
The weekly rhythm register is the dashboard that rolls up everything we've outlined in the program thus far into a simple daily tracking and accountability system all on a single page. I have a process I call the massive transformation formula. You do want a massive transformation in your life, don't you? If so, there's a simple three-step formula. Here it comes. One, list your top three goals. After your entire life has been assessed and you've thought through everything you want to accomplish in every area of your life, it is important to boil it down to your top three. Ta-da! You've already done this. Those are your banner goals that you discovered in step five of your grand design. Your mind and creative drive can only focus on a few things at a time. Give it too much to focus on and focus is lost entirely. But with the system, you can manage the pursuit of what you have declared as your most important and top banner goals. Here's number two. List one to three key behaviors that you need to accomplish each of those goals. It is said you are one, two, or three key behaviors away from a massive transformation in any area of your life. I mean, think about it. Improving your marriage. Just a few consistent behavior changes would transform your current connection and intimacy. Your sales results. I am sure that a few consistent behaviors would massively transform your results. This is true in your health, parenting, networking, relationships, any area of your life. Here's number three, track your actions. This is where the accountability to consistency comes in. The problem is most people are unconscious of their actions. Scientific researchers will tell you that more than 95% of all our behavior is performed without conscious thought. You can say that we sleepwalk through most of our life. The only way to change these unconscious patterns is to become constantly conscious of the new behaviors and actions we need to take in order to see our massive transformation realized. If you need some more support on this, definitely pick up a copy of the Compound Effect book and audio program. This program will aid your ability to make better choices and stay consistent with your behavior so they become ingrained habits. Check out thecompoundeffect.com for more. So on the weekly rhythm register, list out your top three banner goals and then the one to three key behaviors you need to be consistent with to accomplish each goal. Now, set a goal for the number of times that you will perform that behavior throughout the week. At the end of the week, you will tally up your actual from your goal and see how you did. Refer to your Living Your Best Year Ever book to see an example. And that leads us to the next step of the plan, do, review, and improve part of the process. Review. The review part, like the gyroscope, is constantly checking to see where you are by comparison to where you should be. You made a plan of what you were going to do. You did it. Now you have to look back and see how you did. The problem with most people is they do, 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 but never stop to assess how well they are doing. It's like a golfer who practices on the practice tee box for hours on end, only to repeat and ingrain his bad habit patterns deeper, making his golf game worse. No, you have to regularly review to see how you're doing so you can see any bad patterns and make immediate course corrections. I remember when I was a waiter in high school. Before we could go home, we had to do what was called cash out, meaning turn in all our receipts, credit card slips, and cash. Everything had to add up or there was big trouble you want to develop the same discipline in your life as well. The first review is at the end of each day. This won't take but a minute. Simply check off the behaviors you performed relative to your plan on your weekly rhythm register. Next is at the end of the week. This is when you tally up each day's results and see if you're on plan, behind plan, or ahead of plan. At the end of the week is when I suggest taking a deeper inventory as well. To keep myself accountable to this weekly review, I have what I call a peak performance partner. 
every Friday at 11 a.m. sharp. We have a 30-minute call during which we trade our wins. These are one to three major accomplishments of the week. Losses, that is one to three areas of commitments you failed on. Fixes, what you will do next week to ensure that doesn't happen again. And ahas, greatest learning experiences throughout the week. And then we give each other feedback and hold each other accountable. We are both busy executives, but we are religious about making this happen. I know that I have pushed myself harder throughout the week just knowing I needed to report on my promised progress by Friday, and the preparation of my report has helped me pause to reflect and take inventory on the victories as well as the defeats and what I will do to ensure I don't unconsciously repeat them going forward, which leads us perfectly to the last part of the plan, do, review, and improve process. Improve. This is the step of the process where you will gain strides on your competition. A constant awareness and never-ending commitment to growth and continual improvement is what will catapult you forward, enabling you to achieve what seemed before to be impossible goals. We know that to achieve what you've never been able to achieve before, you have to grow and improve yourself to levels that you are not yet at. Your commitment to ongoing improvement is what will get you there. Scientific research has now concluded that there's no such thing as a quote-unquote born genius predestined for greatness, and there's no such thing as innate talent either. I know that sounds outrageous. Certainly, you are thinking of people like Einstein, Mozart, Da Vinci, Tiger Woods, Lance Armstrong, Bill Gates, The Beatles, Elvis, or others. But a study of each of those cases in books like The Genius in All of Us by David Schenck and others reveals a truth that is different than any inborn advantage. In all cases, each of them and many others society has deemed as quote-unquote gifted developed what has become known as their talents through consistent, rigorous, unrelenting, and repeated improvement. They developed a nearly maniacal, obsessive drive to continually improve themselves, improve their skill, their performance, and their outcomes. Malcolm Gladwell also wrote about this in his book, Outliers, and explained that mastery is developed through about 10,000 hours of deliberate, concentrated, and focused practice. The only thing that separates average achievers and superachievers is their dedication to improvement. The fantastic news in all of this is greatness doesn't come from DNA. There's no such thing as innate talent or genius. So that means we can all become genius and reach mastery in any area of our life if we commit to a process of deliberate and purposeful improvement. In his book, Human, All Too Human, written in 1878, Friedrich Nietzsche described greatness as being steeped in a process and of great achievers being tireless participants in that process. As a vivid illustration, Nietzsche cited Beethoven's sketchbooks, which reveal the composer's slow, painstaking process of testing and tinkering with the melody fragments like a chemist constantly pouring different concoctions into an assortment of beakers. Beethoven would sometimes run through as many as 60 or 70 different drafts of a phrase before settling on the final one. Beethoven once remarked to a friend, I make many changes and reject and try again and again until I'm satisfied. Yet neither Nietzsche's articulation nor Beethoven's candid admission of his process caught on with the general public. Instead, the simpler and more alluring idea of giftedness prevailed and has since been carelessly and breathlessly reinforced by biologists, psychologists, educators, and the media. Even with all the repeated and reinforced scientific evidence to disprove the myth of innate giftedness, it will live on as long as human beings do. Why? Because as a society, we still rely on the myth. 
A belief in inborn gifts and limits is much gentler on the psyche. The reason you aren't a great musician, leader, communicator, parent, spouse, athlete, salesperson, or whatever is because you weren't quote-unquote wired to be one. Thinking of talent as innate makes our world more manageable, more comfortable. It relieves the person of the burden of expectation. It also relieves people of distressing comparisons. If Tiger Woods, Michael Phelps, Roger Federer, Richard Branson, Steve Jobs, and others are just innately great, we can feel casually jealous of their genetic luck while avoiding the disappointment in ourselves. If, on the other hand, one of us truly believed ourselves capable of Tiger or Jobs-like achievement, the burden of expectation and disappointment could be profound. However, if you would like to access your potential greatness and achieve mastery-level performance, then know the idea of deliberate practice and deliberate improvement is serious work and requires a serious commitment and consistency. As explained further in The Genius in All of Us, Playing lots of chess or soccer or golf, or in your case, making a lot of sales calls, doing a lot of public speaking, performing a lot of trainings, negotiating a lot of contracts, whatever it is, is not enough. A desire for improvement is not enough. Simply taking lessons from a wonderful teacher is not enough. Deliberate improvement requires a mindset of never, ever being satisfied with your current ability. It requires a constant self-critique and a mindset that disappointment and failure is actually desired. It requires a never-ending resolve to dust oneself off and try again and again and again. It also requires enormous, life-altering amounts of time, a daily grinding commitment to becoming better. In the long run, the results can be highly satisfying. But in the short term, from day to day and month to month, there's nothing particularly fun about the process or the substantial sacrifices involved. As Anders Ericsson wrote in The Cambridge Handbook of Expertise and Expert Performance, there's a clear distinction between leisure players, who tend to enjoy themselves casually much of the time, and the dedicated achievers, who become glued to the gritty process of getting better. Now, can you live a great life without this extraordinary commitment to mastery? Yes, of course, but I challenge you to live a life of excellence. I believe excellence is a guilty pleasure and it is respected, admired, and serves as the triumphant accomplishment of those unwilling to accept anything less. Excellence requires us to live with nobility, honor, and integrity. It requires us to keep our promises, commitments, do what's right, even when no one is looking or even when someone has wronged you. Of all the great pursuits in life, to me, this is the most important. Every virtue, treasure, and reward in life is obtained only through this quest. What's that grand quest? Living your potential. The author Robert Louis Stevenson put it this way, to become what we are capable of becoming is the only end in life. But what is this thing called potential? Webster's Dictionary defines potential as possible as opposed to actual, capable of being or becoming, or latent excellence or the ability that may or may not be developed. So potential then is what you can become. It is the best possible version of yourself. As Abraham Lincoln said, whatever you are, be a good one. The first challenge, I believe, to living our potential is realizing the greatness that is dormant inside each of us. Thomas Edison said, if we did all the things we are capable of, we would literally astound ourselves. Dale Carnegie also taught, we all have possibilities we don't know about. We can do things we don't even dream we can do. So why don't we then? 
I think what stops most of us from tapping our inner genius, the hero or heroine inside each of us, is fear. We're actually afraid of our greater potential. 19th century philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said it this way, There is nothing of which every man is so afraid as getting to know how enormously much he is capable of doing and becoming. As Nelson Mandela says, There is no passion to be found in playing small, in settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. I think our greatest natural resource is this, the difference between what we are and what we are capable of becoming. In fact, living at a level below our God-given potential is life-threatening, literally. Psychologists tell us that nothing creates internal stress and trauma more than when what you are doing on the outside, your actions and behaviors, is incongruent with your potential on the inside. Many people tragically live out the days of their life without ever having lived at all. They die with their wishes and dreams still inside. It was Abraham Maslow that warned, If you plan on being anything less than you are capable of being, you will probably be unhappy all the days of your life. So then, where to start? You start by realizing your greatness, understanding the unfathomable strength, courage, and capability that has been gifted to you, but you have yet to fully unwrap. Anne Frank wrote, Everyone has inside him a piece of good news. The good news is that you don't know how great you can be, how much you can love, what you can accomplish, and what your potential is. Pope John XIII pointed the way when he said, Consult not your fears, but your hopes and your dreams. Think not about your frustrations, but about your unfilled potential. Concern yourself not with what you've tried and failed in, but with what is still possible for you to do. I'd put it this way. If you are still breathing, your purpose is not yet fulfilled. And lastly, I want to prod you by the encouraging words from the late, great Jim Rohn when he said, The big challenge of life is to become all that you have the possibility of becoming. You cannot believe what it does to the human spirit to maximize your human potential and stretch yourself to the limit. So that is what I want to encourage you to do. Use the plan, do, review, and improve process to continually check in on your progress and make the adjustments necessary to push yourself through the ongoing gritty process of continually getting better and better and better until one day you're nearly unrecognizable to your friends and family. You will be living up to your greater potential and living a life of excellence. Certainly your lifestyle, your relationships, your body, vitality, and bank account will be fantastically unrecognizable by comparison to where you're starting today.